Praise God. Go over to Deuteronomy 8, I believe. Thank you, Father. Oh, glory. Deuteronomy 8. Well, Lord, we magnify you. We praise you. Thank you for your word today. Hallelujah. Thank God that your word's a light to our path, lamp unto our feet. Lord, we believe for direction today. We believe that we'll see things clearly as we haven't seen before. And we thank you, Lord, for helping each of us not to just be hearers of the word, but doers of it. Being blessed in what we do. Walking in the fullness of that which you have for us. We thank you. Praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been ministering to you and, uh, of course, took a break last week. I thought Amy did a terrific job talking about how to receive. Amen. And uh, that, that's really a message that always fits. But uh, I, I believe right now we want to continue and, and maybe even finish up today. Seeing how it goes here. Talk uh, with our series. We've been ministering to you along these lines. Why is there wilderness in my promised land? Guys, there's so many wonderful promises in the word that are to us. Yet, yet it's so sad to see so many Christians living without those for their entire life, some of them. Um, you know, you, you, we've all heard one story or another along these lines about somebody who lived just in poverty and, and lived even maybe a street person in a shambles. And when they died, come to find out that they were really wealthy and sometimes they didn't know it. Or somebody had left a bunch of money to them. One, one story I'm thinking about is uh, somebody over in England and, and uh, they had been a servant in their master's household in, in one of the lords of England's in their household. And, and this person lived, you know, that person died that they were serving. And the, but these individuals grew older and I think they left them a little cottage. But on the wall, when, they, when this person died, somebody came in and on the wall was framed something that the, ser- that the master had left her. And she didn't know what it was. She couldn't read. But it was really essentially a copy of his will, leaving all kinds of stuff to her. <laughs> Didn't know it, did without it, right? And so one of the assignments I know that's on my life as a minister is to, is to help individuals to, number one, find out what belongs to them. And then number two, find out how to receive from God, how to possess these things. And we, we want to be walking in the fullness of it. Anything Jesus paid the price for us to have, what a dishonor to him if we didn't have it, right? He paid for stuff, everybody, so that we could have it. Amen. Every one of us. And starting in Deuteronomy chapter 8 is this uh, tremendous scripture that wasn't even written to us as the church. It was written to the Jews, to the children of Israel. Uh, but But it certainly bears our scrutiny today. And it says in verse 7, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Now, in case somebody had religious ideas or or wondered what this good land was and thought that maybe it was, you know, just not anything too tremendous. Well, he goes on to describe this thing, and, and really it's pretty extravagant, if, if, if you'd agree. It says it's a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. I love verse 9. It says, a land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. And so the Lord's describing this this land that he has for his people, a place of of wonderful provision, a place where everything that you're going to need now and everything you're going to need coming up is is included. Amen. 
I like stuff included, huh? I like good surprises. Stuff you can see right away, stuff that's in the hills that you'll find once you start digging. You know, that's how the Word of God is. There's so much, so much that maybe you could see on your first reading, but there's stuff that you find when you start digging into the hills and the mines of the Word of God. And there's things that come out that were hidden, not from you, but hidden for you. Amen. Well, thank God for the good land that He has for us. Well, somebody might say, yeah, but that was just for the Jews. Well, the, the New Testament says He is a Jew who is one inwardly whose heart has been circumcised, not his flesh. Amen. So you're a Jew in that sense. But then on the other hand, uh, here again, Hebrews chapter 8 says that we live in a new and better covenant than what they had. And so all the good of the Jews' covenant would have to be included in our covenant or it wouldn't be better. Now let me just test you. Is it better to be sick or is it better to be healed? Healed. Healed. I know some preachers would say, well, no, 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 whatever God's will is. Yet, well, they're right. And it's for you to be healed. Amen. So what's better? Healed. What's better? To be be broke or to have a full supply? Full supply. Okay, so you know what better is then. So when the Bible says we have a better covenant, we know we're talking about all the good that they had plus whatever makes it better. Well, what does make it better? I'll tell you the, the, the thing that Paul singled out that was the mystery of the gospel was that Christ is in me, the hope of glory. Glory to God, you and I have living in us God himself. You have eternal life flowing through you. And they didn't have that and they couldn't have that. Amen. Glory to God. You got the source of it all dwelling on resident on the inside of you. I mean, your Holy Ghost housing. Hallelujah. You have a roommate. <laughs> Keep your place clean so he can so he can have use of the whole place. Amen. Well, so we've been looking at all these time, uh, all these weeks now at uh, discovering what the good land is and that we have an abundant life today. But yet we also find that there is this place called the wilderness. Amen. And it is it's not uh, such a negative as we thought, because we realized that the wilderness was God's idea. It was a place of testing. It was a place of trials. And the the reason and the purpose for those tests and for those trials is so that God has a legal right to promote us. Amen. He has to do things right. Amen. How many are good dirt today? Okay, you listened Wednesday night, didn't you? You're good dirt. Good, good, good. God wants to promote you, but he has to do it righteously. Well, what, what gives him that right? Faith is counted to us as, as righteousness. Amen. That gives God the legal right to move in and do for us. Well, if there's no test, there can be no testimony, right? If there's no, if there's no test, we pass. So we saw then even last week uh, and, and talked about how to pass these tests. How do you pass a test? You give the right answer. And where the things of God are concerned, and even where an attack of the devil is concerned, the right answer is a faith answer. What do we mean by a faith answer? We mean I I look at this circumstance, and I look at the Word of God, and I decide that I'm going to take sides with with what God has said instead of what I see and what I feel. Now, that's easy to preach about, but it's not always, uh, you know, can be a challenge to do. I mean, the mechanics of it aren't hard. It's really rather easy to, to say something out of your mouth, right? Most of you do it quite often. But what can be difficult is in the face of those circumstances to, to give the right answer. Amen. But uh, amen, we, we answer faith, don't we? 
And if you'll always answer faith, you'll always win because the Bible says that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Hallelujah. Well, we looked at three of their tests last week. Do you remember we looked at some of their tests? We looked at the, uh, the Mara test, the waters of Mara that were bitter. How did they do on that? <laughs> F. We looked at the manna test. That didn't go better, good at all. And then they got to retake the water test at Meribah. That went really poor. That went worse than the first water test. Because they're bugged that they're getting tested again with water. And uh, there's more tests, but I would just like to today, there's two passages of Scripture that uh, if we look at these two passages, I feel like it'll wrap up and complete this series. Amen. But they're, they're somewhat lengthy. There's a lot in these passages, but I'd just like to let these passages rest in your spirit and, and, and impress them on your spirit. Would you, would you go? And what I want you to look at is the final exam okay. Okay. that Israel had. Okay. Numbers 13, if you would. This was the final exam. Now, listen, everybody, just just because just like you don't get notification that a test is coming. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. They didn't get told this is your final. They didn't know. Anybody want to venture a guess how they did on this test? Huh? They did. Uh, they did just as well as they did on the others. But this is the final exam. And I'll tell you. You look at these tests, God is not setting them up to fail, brothers and sisters. God, it is such a picture of His mercy. He's giving them chance after chance, and He's doing everything He can to allow them to make the adjustments, allow them to make the correction, but it's just He'd be unrighteous to pass them on. Amen. Glory to God. You know, He's the same way today. Some folk He'll deal with year after year after year, but eventually the, the best thing for them will be not to receive. Wow. Oh, I just opened up a can of worms. I did. The best thing for some people would be to die because at least their spirit will be saved. There's some folks, see, they got born again, but they haven't put away sin. And year after year after, and they're going, and, and the, 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 the most merciful thing that God could do, amen, would be allow the devil to do what he wants to do, and at least their spirit would be safe. Can you see that, how that's the mercy of God? Amen. Oh, always stay on God's side. Uh, he's always trying to, he's, most of the time, if we could see as he sees, we'd see he was way merciful, way more merciful than we could have been or we would have been. But anyhow, here in Numbers 13, it says that the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. Look at this. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, and all of them were leaders of the Israelites. Say leaders. leaders. Okay. And then it lists their names. You'll understand if I don't go through all those names. All right. But one from each tribe. There was 12 tribes. How many people went in to spy out the land? Y'all sharp. And so, um, the, notice this, though. The Lord said, send some of them to explore the land. Question for you. Did the Lord already know what the land was like? Did the Lord need men to go explore the land? Not for him. The, the Lord wasn't saying, I'm not sure if I want to send you into this land or not, so let's get some guys to go look and check it out. No, you know what this was? This was a, this was a test. They're final. 
And uh, verse 17, Moses sent them to explore Canaan. And he said, go up through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land's like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, and so forth. Verse 21 says, so they went up and explored the land um, and, and tells where they went. Now, verse 23 is, is interesting. They're looking at this land and, they say, and it says, when they reached the valley of Eskal, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Do you see that? One cluster of grapes. I bought some that I'm going to eat during the football game today because I'm not going to eat potato chips. Amen. Grapes are better than potato chips, aren't they? Heart healthy. Praise the Lord. And almonds. I like almonds, but they're okay. They're good. Praise the Lord. Now, my grapes, I could carry that. In fact, I put the whole package of grapes in my saddlebag because I was on my bike when I bought those grapes. All right. But now these grapes... It says two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. Wow. A single cluster of grapes. Y'all, they're, they're checking out this land. This land was so absolutely over the top amazing that one cluster of grapes. I mean, the land just was so fertile and produced so much that the one cluster of grapes, they stuck it on a pole. And, and one guy had it on his shoulder this way. And one guy had it on his shoulder that way. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Wouldn't have fit in my bike. No. no, you'd need I mean, you'd need a big vehicle to put that cluster of grapes in. Amen. I mean, walking along, you'd imagine that, that they say, let's eat one of them at least. <laughs> Amen. I mean, these grapes were like the size of cantaloupe, evidently, per grape. Yo, that is a good land. The land was better than anything they'd ever seen. Yeah. If they were used to grapes that size, they wouldn't have brought back such a huge thing. They wouldn't have gotten their saws out to, come on, hook up the power, give me a, a, a battery, get a little sawzall to cut the grapes off. Chainsaw. This was an amazing land. Now, verse 25 says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Then they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly. And notice this. They showed them. Them who? The whole assembly. They showed them all the fruit. And they gave Moses this account. They said, we went into the land to which you sent us. And it does. Everybody say it does. It does flow with milk and honey. See, God told them it did. God told them it was a good land. He told them it was an amazing land. And here they come back and they say, it does and it is. It is everything that God said it was. And he didn't even tell the half of it. We, we saw it for ourselves. Here's the fruit. It's amazing. Verse 28 is where everything starts to go downhill. But, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amicalites lived there in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites. Did they have to list every one? <laughs> live in the hill country. And the Canaanites lived near the sea along the Jordan. Verse 30 said, then Caleb silenced the people. Well, whoever said the people were saying anything? Evidently, the people got all upset about this. Hmm? All because of one word. But. What were they saying? 
when they said but. They, were, they, they said essentially, it is true what the Lord said about this land. It's all true. What He said about us having it is not true. All because they put, we've said it before, all because they put their butt in the wrong place. <laughs> huh? What are you supposed to say? You're supposed to say the giants that live there are big, but the Lord is bigger. But they said, oh, the land's good, but you got to move your butt over to the right place on the right side of this equation. Amen. So Caleb shut, tried to shut the people up before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. Other translations say we, we need to go up at once and possess it. We're well able. But the men, look at this, the men who had gone up with him said, we, we can't. We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Let me just stop here long enough to say something. It sure matters who your leaders are. It sure matters because the, the way the leadership goes, it will affect it will affect the people. Just a little, little side thought. But true, these were the leaders of the tribes. Hmm? They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. Ooh. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed, look at this, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Well, what did they do? Interview them? And say, how do we look to you? Do we look like grasshoppers? What a lousy spy. You're not supposed to let anybody know you're there. You're assuming and presuming. Taking God completely out of the equation. No, in our own eyes, we look like grasshoppers to them. And it's the same way with them. They'll squish us. Mm. Well, chapter 14, verse 1 says, That night, see, they all got together for a big service now. Big, a big pity party service. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices. Boy, it's so hard to get people in church to raise their voices sometimes. But you mean... You, you have a nice pity party, everybody will tune, tune up. Come on. They'll have a good quartet going. <laughs> We're going to go down, going to go down, going to go down, going to go down. Right down the drain, down, 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 down the drain, down the drain. <laughs> they all lifted their voices, man. They got one accord quick when it came time to have the pity party, didn't they? And they wept aloud. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only. Have you ever said if only? Hmm. How many knew, knew anything about money when Microsoft went public? <laughs> or Apple computers went public? Did, and, and looking back, if you had known now what you knew then, I mean, that looking back, do you say, uh, if only. I mean, anybody that you were being counseled to invest in one of those? And you said, nah, they ain't going to go anywhere. <laughs> if only. Well, what are you doing? You're kicking yourself. Oh, yeah. can't believe I didn't do that. And so what are they kicking themselves about? 
If only we had died in Egypt. I can't believe we left. We could have died there. Or in this desert. That would have been good too, as long as we're dead. How many think these people are nuts? But you know what's scary? There ain't that much different than us. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Thank God it wasn't a democracy. (laughs) Come on now, people today say, well, this is America, bless God. We's a democracy. Really, we're a democratic republic, but I'm not. Leave that for another day, too. So Joshua, well, Moses and Aaron, they fell face down in front of the whole community. Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among them, who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire assembly, look at this. They said the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord be pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he'll give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land because we'll swallow them up. That's faith talk, y'all. I love faith talk. We'll swallow them up. Their protection is gone. Their defense is departed from them. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Well, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared and the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? They hadn't said hardly anything to God, have they? But you you grumbling against your leaders? That's also another. There's a lot of sermons in here, aren't there? (laughs) How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I've performed among them? You know, Dr. Dufresne said something the other night that, uh, uh, that kind of, I've heard it before, but yet it impressed itself on me. He said, it's dangerous to walk up to the light, see things, and then turn your back and, and walk away. See, because when, when you see things and when you receive revelation, you're responsible for it. Amen. <laughs> you might think, well, it'd be better not to hear. No, it's not. It's better to hear and do. Amen. That's the best. The Lord said, gosh, I mean, I after now, if God had never even revealed himself to these people, how could you blame them? Right. But I mean, after all he had done for them already, after miracle after miracle, I mean, the water came out of the rock twice. Water doesn't normally flow out of rocks. (laughs) One thing after another. I mean, could you imagine walking in the dry ground of the Red Sea with a wall on either side as high as you could see up of water? I mean, Reaching in and grabbing the tail of a fish and saying, hey, throwing them back in there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Pretty amazing. amazing. And so the Lord was, was just in, in what he's about to do. Yeah. Well, Moses, uh, we won't read all this. Verse 19, Moses prayed and said, in, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people just as you've pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. And the Lord replied, I have forgiven him as you've asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of them, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me, tested me ten times. 
Well, I thought God was testing them. Instead of passing tests, see, they were testing him. Testing his what? Testing his patience. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, follows me wholeheartedly, I'll bring him into the land. He and his descendants will inherit it. Verse 28, if you just look down there, there's one more verse. It says, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Does it matter what we say? Does it matter how we answer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know it's a little sobering, but you know, it's, it's, let, let this sink down in you here. This was their final exam. And they, they pretty well just answered like they'd always answered. Right? Grumble, grumble, gripe, gripe, complain, complain. Wish we were dead, wish we were dead. And the Lord said, I'm going to do just exactly what you said. What if they had answered faith? He would have done just as they would have said. How do you know? Because Caleb and Joshua did answer faith. Caleb and Joshua did say, we can take it. We can do it. Everyone else is saying, we can't, we can't, we can't. Man, I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't marry a wife that says we can't, we can't, we can't all the time. Every time I... Well, I heard her say we can't once. Well, my daughter, well, my daughter was in the delivery room. When, when we were in the delivery room with Anna... And the doctor said, push. And he said, I can't. <laughs> but you know, that doctor knew her authority. That doctor knew that the patient ain't in charge in the delivery room. She said, Amy, you suck it up and push that baby out right now. She, she said, yes, ma'am. And boom, out came Anna. Glory to God. So I think that kicked the I can't out of her. No, those boys said, yeah, we can do it. With God's help, we can do it. We can do it. That's, that faith always says we can. And the Lord did to them exactly as they had said. Brought them in. Yes. Glory to God. Yes. And that's the short version of the story of the children of Israel. Would you look at the one more scripture that I told you about? What if it's one more chapter, would you? Um, over in the New Testament, because we've done a lot of looking in the Old Testament, but I'd like to just uh, put the, maybe put the lid on this today. Not put the lid on it in the sense that you're never going to use it again. But just try and wrap up and tie up any loose ends here. If you go to Hebrews 3. Glory to God. Glory. Hebrews 3. Hebrews. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. I'm looking at a bunch of test passing. Test Promised land entering into. Amen. Victorious Christians. Amen. Folk that God can promote. Yes. Bring into the good land. Amen. Enjoy the good life. That's right. yeah. Good life. Now, we're going to see even more definition regarding the good life and the good land here. Verse 7, Hebrews 3, says, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. Now, who's, we, we said already, who was supposed to have been being tested? The children of Israel. But this became known as the rebellion because instead of them passing the test, what did they do? 
They made the testing a time of testing God. Yeah. Amen. Right. Understand we could still do that today so we don't want to. Right. right. Where your fathers tested and tried me. And, so, and for 40 years saw what I did. That's why I was angry with that generation and said their hearts are always going astray. Hey, brother and sister, do you see it's a heart issue? They have not known my ways, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my what? Rest. Rest. Look, that's just a, that's a New Testament term talking about that, that land, that good life in a good land. It's a land of rest. It's the opposite of the land of struggles. Rest. Doesn't, rest doesn't mean inactivity. Hmm? But there's a flow. Amen. It's not swimming upstream the whole way. This is what's... Oh, just hang on. Verse 12 says, See to it, brothers. Now this brings it right to us. Who's brothers? That's all us. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Wow, is unbelieving really sinful? Other translations, you know what they say? Evil. Don't do that. Don't have that heart. And it says none of you. Letting me know that every one of us can walk in the rest of God. Thanks for your, your amen. Verse 13 says, but encourage one another every Sunday. Huh? <laughs> What's it say? Encourage one another Daily. Daily. You, you, you put that together, all right? As long as it's called today. Look, Christianity isn't just a Sunday thing, you know. You do know, right? You know. It's an everyday. God doesn't. It wouldn't be cool if the only time a test came was on Sunday. God has the right to test you any minute of any day of the week. So you just better be living the message every day. Amen. That's so, I understand folk that have grown up with it. You know, you had to go to something dead and dry and you had to go every Sunday or they told you you was going to hell. I understand how you could be in that rut of thinking, oh, it's just a Sunday. Let's do our obligation and get out the door. But this is an everyday deal and it's a joy. Amen. So encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you, none of you, not one, may be hardened by sinful de- sin's deceitfulness. Amen. And, and we'll skip a little bit here, but go down to ni- verse 19. It says, so we see that they, they who? The children of Israel. They were not able to enter in. Why? Why was there wilderness in their promised land? Because of their unbelief. Look, we've said some of this already, I understand. And I wanted to give you several reasons why you had wilderness in your, pro- in your promised land. But I could only find one in the Bible. I couldn't find five or six or seven or eight reasons. I found where it says they couldn't enter in because of their unbelief, period. And there might be, hey, what about disobedience in that category? Anything else you think of? Rebellion, thank you, sin. It's all in that category. Amen. If you're believing God and acting in faith, amen, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be the route you're taking. Well, Understand the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse, so, that the, so the next thing really is a continuation. Mm-hmm. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, 
Since the promise of entering his rest still stands, aren't you glad that that, that promise of the good land for Israel, it still stands today? Oh, glory to God. It's for you today. See to it. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Look, I don't know what you've noticed, but I've noticed that most of most of us in the I'm talking about the whole body of Christ. Most of us are way short of it. But the Bible says not one of you has to be short of it. There is enough of the good life to go around. I want to tell you. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. It ain't just for the preacher. It ain't just for, you know, some elite prayer warrior in the body of Christ. All of us. Amen. Glory. And notice this, it says, for we also have had the gospel or the good news preached to us just as they did. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, they had, when God says, I'm bringing you into a good land, do you understand that's good news? Yes. But it said the message they heard was of no value to them. Y'all, you and I, you and I read that verse about the good land, and how many think there's a lot of value in that verse? I mean, we've, we've been getting a lot of weeks out of that one, a lot of mileage out of it. But when they heard it, there, it was, there was no value. It was, like hearing, it was like hearing something on a talk show. Why was there no value to it? Because those who heard it didn't combine it with faith. They didn't allow the word to penetrate their heart. Amen. And then act on it. You seen why they you seen why they died in the wilderness? Why did they pass? Why did they fail all those tests? It all came back to what they did when they heard the word. But now check this out. I, I'm just trying to get you to the punchline of the whole series. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Oh, glory to God! Just as God said. Praise God. Now, verse, uh, I'm going to skip down to verse 9 just to save you a little bit of, of time here. It says, there remains then a rest for the people of God. Yes. Y'all, just because just Israel didn't go in then doesn't mean that that promise was over and done with. That good land, come on, the streams, the pools, uh, that land where, where, where everything you do has God in it and everything you have has God in it. That kind of the good life that remains. That remains. That's, that, that's been set out available. It's on the table for the people of God. Come on. Doesn't he prepare a table before us in the presence of our end? What's on that table? Good stuff. Good stuff on God's table. Huh? Original recipe. Praise God. Hey. Verse 10 says, anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Hey, the rest of God, like I said, it's not inactivity, but it's not a work of the flesh. It's where you're living in a flow. Amen. Glory to God. You're being, you're, you're being efficient in what you do because the Spirit of God's leading you. God's helping you. Things work. What you put your hand to, He's able to prosper. He's able to be involved in everything. That's the good. That's what we're talking about. That's the good life. How do you get there? When you believe. When you believe Him, when you take Him at His word. 
and you get rest on the inside, you enter into his life of rest and, and he's able to work things on the outside. It's a good life. Anybody ever lived there? Hmm? Two people raised their hands. Anybody ever brush the edge of it? <laughs> well, do more than brush the edge. Go through the door. Go through the door. Go through the door. Well, I have trouble living in rest. You just need more hearing. Hmm? Hear it more. Give it attention more. There's no, look, you give, you give enough attention to the things of God, they will drop down on the inside of you and become a part of you. How does somebody get addicted to pornography? They give attention to it. They give attention to it and they look at it until it burns itself on the inside of them and then they have to have it more. They have to have more. Huh? And it directs their life that way. Right? How do you get to where the things of God are just working for you full steam? Same way. You keep looking at it. You keep looking at it. You keep looking at it till it drops down, lodges itself, burns itself on the inside of you. And then you've got to have it. Hmm? But you can get addicted to God. As you, can get as, you can be the biggest addict in the world. It won't hurt you. It won't ruin your family. Hmm? You won't have to pay huge bills. Huh? You won't ruin a little boy or a little girl's life over it. You won't go to jail for it. Well, you might, but it'd be fun anyhow. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So verse 11 says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. One translation says, let us labor to enter that rest. Well, that doesn't, that contradicts itself, doesn't it? Is it a work or is it rest? Well, it is a rest, but the work is staying in rest. <laughs> staying in faith. Does that take any effort? Yeah, that is where the fight is. We're not, you know, we're not doing justice to this necessarily today. We could, in other words, we could just stop here and start over again on this part of it. But like I said, we're just tying this up right here. Let us, let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. And then you just go on from there reading in Hebrews, man. It tells you just exactly what to do. It goes on to say the word of God's quick. Anybody think the word of God's a big, a big key to staying in the rest of God? Yeah, it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing, this, uh, dividing asunder the soul and spirit. Is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, right? And then, then it tells us to hold firmly to our faith. Amen. Boldly approaching the throne of grace. Well, glory to God. So why, why is there peanut butter in my chocolate? No, peanut butter in the chocolate's good. What was the one that wasn't good? Pickle juice with the peanut butter. Yeah, that wasn't the good mix, right? God's got a land for you. Wilderness is, we don't want the wilderness in there. We understand we got to go through it. Everybody's got to go through it. But not year after year, decade after decade, declining and staying the same. No, we ought to be into that. We ought to be in the land where we're able to make progress, able to make a climb. How do you do that? You've got to pass the tests that come your way. How do you pass those tests? Pick the right answer. The right answer is always the faith answer. And if you give the faith answer, you will enter into the rest of God. Glory to God. 
coming out on the other side of it. Hallelujah. Well, God needs you to, be, to do that. God needs you to be full of him, full of his blessings. Glory to God. He needs people in this day so he can make examples of his goodness out of him. Just like he did to Abraham, just like he did to Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, David, and Solomon. He's got people who he wants to bless with the grapes that are the size of a bowling ball. <laughs> Stand up if you would. Hallelujah. Why don't you just thank God today for the good land and the good life? Oh, hallelujah. Praise you. Glory, glory, glory. Passing the test, entering the rest. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be God forever. We praise you. We worship you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're possessors. We're receivers. We're well able to overcome. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God.